Hey, what's up? It's Zen here. Thanks for listening to Breaking North. Quick thing before we get to the show, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash breaking north. That's patreon.com slash breaking north. Any amount helps us. And here is the show. All right. Welcome to Breaking North. I'm with uh, David White, lead vocalist of Bay Area thrash metal band Heathen. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, today's my my anniversary. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, yeah. How many years? Yeah. Uh, 17 years. Dang. Well, congrats. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah. got any plans for later today? Uh, we're sort of just winging it, but yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun. We've had a, a great morning and we actually both were completely oblivious this morning. My I, it, my son sent a text out saying happy you know happy anniversary and I was like oh shit that's right <laughs> September tenth like happy anniversary babe yeah um, yeah both of us we were like what oh that's right oh. yeah because it's been for me it's been I've been gone since June you know I come back a couple times breaks from the tour but and I'm getting ready to leave again on Monday so it's been kind of a blur yeah a whole other leg how's the tour been so far. Really great. A lot of fun. Made a lot of new friends, a lot of new fans out there. Um, we did, uh, was it 55 shows in 20 countries in the last, what, uh, three and a half months or so. Cool. I, uh, I've been listening to interviews and you were, you were pretty excited about getting back into the space after COVID. And has it been everything that you kind of thought it was going to be going back to shows? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, you know, all the people that came out to the shows, everybody's excited to be out and doing it again. You know, um, all the different, you know, sort of like band members of other groups and things and that we've met along the way or people that we know or, or just met. Everybody's, you know, happy and excited to be out. Um, it's been kind of a clusterfuck because everybody's freaking out <laughs> on tour and all the tour buses are getting sucked up and because of the the economy with with covid and with you know the current situation in ukraine um these companies have chose to um make huge price hikes for everything so we're paying double for transportation double for gas it's been it's that part of it's been tough but we had no choice we needed to get out and and you know support the, the record so the record support the fans, you know, they're all dying yeah. to see you. Well, they, they're helping to support us. So it makes it possible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So we couldn't do it without them. And, and they've been exceptional for sure. That's really cool. Yeah. I was uh, talking to uh, the doom metal band gore out the other day and they're like, yeah, when has the oil industry ever actually helped anybody out? So they're like, yeah, we just <laughs> the van <laughs> did it. And I was like, that's a, well, that's a yeah. Good I mean, I'm a, I'm totally like an environmentalist, you know, and mm-hmm. and for me, it's like we've had the technology to, you know, put a, a put a hurt on the the oil industry, but you know, until they stop making plastic and and all that stuff, which what they won't, and they're just killing the planet with all their petroleum goods. And we need to it? stop buying their shit. We need to stop buying their shit, you know. Yeah. Cause it's not only polluting the air, but it's polluting the, the planet and the ocean and all that, you know, and that's all the petroleum stuff that just won't go away. Yep. So. And it's us, you know, it's everybody's with plastic. Well, we consume, but it's, well, it's, it's, we thought it was a great idea, but then we thought they knew how to recycle it properly. Then yeah. they just were sending it off to different countries. <laughs> so, 
All right, well, let's get into some music now. We'll get it. We'll get into it with the record a bit as well. Um, so you're playing at the Catalyst uh, 914 Warbringer, and I'm in uh, I'm in Santa Cruz, and that's that's gonna be the show that I'm trying to get all my friends to go to. Um, let's go way back. So you, uh, Bay Area based band, you got into the band in the mid '80s. Is that right? Uh, 86. 86. Cool. What was the scene back in the day for thrash metal, all that in the Bay area? Can you kind of give us a a picture of it? Um, well, you know, it was a super exciting time, you know, before that, you know, I, I played in a band called blind illusion, which Mm -hmm. you've heard of them. Um, and that's all guys that I went to high school with and everything. Um, we were playing parties and, and, parks and wherever we could you know play the kegger parties whatever we could do but we started drawing a lot of people but we could not get into the clubs the clubs were playing you know they had bands like the knack and they looked at us like we were just a bunch of punk kids you know how, how old and, are you uh, in blind illusion um i think i joined i actually before it was ever blind illusion mark and i and alvin petty in like seventh grade the summer going into seventh grade started a band. I played drums and Alvin played guitar and Mark actually picked up the bass to, to join in what would become something. Um, but I, and then I later left and then um, came back as a singer. I think I was 17 years old at the time. And so, but we got busy. Um, but like I said, we were frustrated, you know, we had a great band, we had a great following, but the clubs were just, not it wasn't happening and then the band kind of split up Les Claypool was in the band at the time and Brian Keogh and they left and and then all of a sudden Bill Graham and KRQR which was the late local radio station mm-hmm. came up with Metal Mondays at the old Waldorf and I went to see Exodus and Amble Chorus and um was like holy shit you got to put the band back together you know and that's you know and that was one of the first metal mondays i think the very first metal monday motley crew played you know but i, I saw metallica on a metal monday i you know uh who else uh Yngwie, you know all that and then it, it, it increased to metal wednesdays metal fridays and then the other local clubs like the keystones there was three uh keystones it was berkeley san francisco and palo alto and the Bataque brothers, they joined in and they started having local bands. And and when you think we were sort of like a big fish in a small pond, you know, um, and to realize how many other musicians were just like us, just trying to get into the clubs, you know, and it was an explosion of all these different bands, lots of bands, you know, and um it just exploded at that point. And then after I left Blind Illusion and joined Key, then the whole club scene was just booming. Ruthie Zinn was open at that point. Exodus was, they were on, you know, they had their band together when that whole Metal Monday thing happened. So they jumped on that whole scene right away, you know, and they did well. And uh, like I said, it was just, a, it was always something going on every weekend, you know, and some, like I said, Wednesday night, maybe a Monday night, whatever. You know, we were all young and, you know, having fun to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even just like for the, for the, the kids that wanted, you know, that weren't in the bands, just coming out to, 
to support, you know, and we still have lots of friends from, from that, you know, that we have really close ties to. That's why the Bay area scene is so tight because it's not just about the bands, but about the music and about the fans and the relationships that we've all developed over the course of time. And it's been a while now. And we, we celebrate that, you know, you saw, um, uh, at the Dynamo Festival, you know, Craig and Sarah from from Forbidden put a band together with multiple musicians to do a Bay Area International type of thing, and they sort of played uh, tribute to what became everything, you know, as far as the Bay Area scene. What What do you think it was? Uh, what do you think it was that allowed the clubs to actually start booking these like metal bands, these heavier bands? Because at the time, I, I can't imagine that was the most popular thing. Maybe like early '80s, I guess, with the glam rock sort of scene but what do you think what do you think actually made you know I, you know i, I think that it, it was it didn't start off with like the heavier bands it it started off with just local bands local talent and i think bill graham I, and i don't know like it, whose idea you know what i mean like I never got to sit down with bill graham and go hey whose idea was this you know <laughs> yeah. i know that ron quintana and you know at kusf radio had a big thing, you know, they're the first ones to play the, the blind delusion demo. And that was like huge for us. I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning, but they played or it's the first time we ever played on the radio. And so there was a lot of that, but I think it was just something that was just ultimately going to have to happen. You know, there's just too much talent all in that whole Bay area scene. And once, once they opened the door on the metal Mondays and saw how successful it was and how many kids were, you know, into coming and, and the talent that was on stage, they opened it up for more. And it just, it was, it took on a life of its own, really. Yeah. So let's talk about like, uh, breaking the silence. So what, what was that whole album, that process, like kind of getting in that, in that start, were you playing these songs before you actually recorded them? I would imagine so like a couple of years or a year. No, um, well, the, he then moved at a very, very fast pace. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, local musicians. I think Lee was the only like, you know, really green musician in the band at the time. He was really young, but Carl Sacco had played in metal church and a couple other bands, local bands. Um, I think he played in the band murder, um, kind of punk stuff. Doug Pierce, you know, played in Alma chorus and control. I did blind illusion. Uh, Eric Wong had played in a couple different bands. Um, so, we were determined because the, the scene was happening. It was, things were flowing. Metallica had already been signed. Exodus was already signed. And, you know, we wanted to be right in there, you know, and um, Testament was getting ready to get signed at the same time. So we, we were on a march to, get, you know, write as many songs as we could get out and start playing. And within that year uh, we did a demo. We did, I think four or five songs and we just sent it out to the magazines and to fans and, you know, tape trading. And actually we had a couple of labels come to us because of the hype. And that's how we got our record deal with combat. And so it was just really, it was a year of really hard work, putting all those songs together and just try to, you know, get out and, and do something, you know, did you always, did you always think you were going to be doing this, this path, this sort of music thing? At this point, or just in general? Just in general. How about how like going way back as a kid? Oh, absolutely. I yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, but my sister, you know, she's older. She's like six years older than me, and and growing up in the '60s, you know, she was like listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and 
you know, a lot of rock and roll music. And she turned me on to all that stuff. And, and I used to like watch the monkeys on TV and they even had a Beatles cartoon when I was a kid. And, and, uh, I just knew that music was what I wanted to do. And, and I started playing at a really early age, started playing drums and I actually played uh, brass instruments, trumpet in school. And I played trumpets from the fourth grade all the way through high school and learned how to, you know, learn how to read music and, you know, dabbled in classical music and concert music and, and jazz. And so it's something that I always wanted to do and always aspired to do because it's what made me happy. And I felt whole when I'm doing it. So, yeah. So, I mean, you were playing in Blind Illusion and other bands. What, what's, what was your sort of like life at the time? Were you doing other jobs and how did you actually get into um, Heathen? Like what was, who were you approached by? Uh, actually, well, I mean, of course, I've, I've always, you know, managed to work because I like money. <laughs> money, right. you got to, you want to eat, Yeah. you know, and, you know, I was kind of a runaway, you know, in my later teens, not, you know, not totally, but I'd be like, it was, you know, I didn't get along with my stepfather and was like, okay, I'm going to take care of myself. And so I was working to, I think since I was like late 17, almost before I was even 18 years old, I had a job and like was trying to take care of myself. And then I went, I actually moved back home and, and did some college for a little while, but the vibe was still kind of hostile. So I had to make a change, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always done stuff. And then in, I've always tried to do some type of job or whatever. So it's conducive to allow me to still play music. Cause that was what I, you know, that was the greater, you know, vision in my life. And, um, but, uh, and then when going into leaving Blind Illusion, um, I had a few calls about, you know, auditions for other bands. And one of them most notably was Ruffians. You know, I got a call from, uh, Greg Bearhorse and uh, there is Carl. Carl had left the band to join Vicious Rumors and that's some big shoes to fill because Carl was, Carl Albert was just amazing. And, um, uh, but I went, went to Craig's house to pick up the record, you know, so I could take it home and learn some songs to, to audition. And I ran into a friend, Leah Schechter, who at the time I didn't know, but she was dating Lee Altus. And she's like, what are you doing here, Dave? And I'm like, I, I came, I'm an audition for, for Ruffians. And she goes, oh, well, you know, my boyfriend's band's looking for a singer. You know? And I'm like, oh, well, give him my number. And it turned out it was he then. And they called me. I didn't get the gig with Ruffians. And, um, but I did get the gig with Heathen. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Heathen's still going. And, you know, so I think it, it worked out. It worked out all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got, gotta love those random moments how you get into bands. Um, what was it like totally. getting on the Headbangers Ball? What was what was kind of like talk about that? Well, can you just imagine? Yeah, no. <laughs> we came, the first time they played it, at least on the Headbangers Ball, because I think it got some airplay like in the middle of the night or something. But um, on the Headbangers Ball, we followed uh, Dio. Yeah. So I, I remember watching the Dio, and I'm like, "When's it coming?" And then it ended and then it came in and it was like, holy shit, we are going to be rich. We're going to be famous. <laughs> and, uh, but, and it, you know, it, it did well, you know, mm-hmm. it was, but it was super exciting. It was super exciting. I and mean, when you hear your song on the radio for the first time or actually anytime, it's still always good. You know, it always brings those like 
goosebumps or whatever you want to call it. And, and to see your video, it's like that on MTV. No, on MTV. Oh yeah. It was huge. And yeah. we, ours video, we did a video before Metallica. Hey, that's cool. Hey, wait. We were the, I think we were the first Bay area band to have our video Eric's. I think Testaments came out the same year over the wall, but we're, we were first. Yeah. And, um, um what was the song again? I'm totally drawing a blank. It was a, it was a cover, right? Set me free. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw the video for that. Who, how did you, how'd you even, cause you said you did a video before Metallica. Who did the video? Uh, Oh, Cindy Kiefer. And Oh God, what was it? I can't remember the name of the company now, but Cindy Kiefer was the main director. She's in New York. Um, I think she's probably making films of some sort now. I don't know. I haven't spoken to her in a long, long time. Um, God, I don't remember the name of the company now, but I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, the the set me free actually when we were getting ready to do the record at a rehearsal, we'd already you know been sort of referred to Ronnie Montrose to produce the record, and we were in rehearsal and Lee was like, "What do you think about you know covering Set Me Free for the record?" And I'm like, "What? Like now? <laughs> you know what I mean? We're talking like we were getting ready to go in the studio within like a week or two. And I'm like, oh, I love that song, you know. And then we all kind of, we all learned it on the fly, and it just had a good vibe to it, energy to it. And so, of course, we recorded it. And then the label thought that would be the best one to to put, you know, to do a video for. And they were uh, right. Well, maybe. I mean, you never know. We could have maybe did something something else off the record, and maybe that would have been fine too. Very true. Very true. How was your relationship with the label at the time? And did it, it did, cause there's a, there's a, a million label horror stories. Um, I guess if you're at Liberty to talk about it or if, if you uh, I can talk about it, I can totally talk about it. Actually combat was great. They, they took good care of us. We unfortunately, um, referred to a guy that shall be nameless, uh, to manage the band. And he was a brilliant, brilliant bullshit artist. And I think that he was very capable of, of uh, helping a band, you know, out of the garage. Mm-hmm. But when they got to the next level, he, didn't, he was out of his depth. And he used to manage City Kid. And City Kid, which were there from Sacramento, um, sent many demos to many different labels and got many rejection letters, many rejection letters and finally got a letter from Geffen records and said, you know, basically, you know, we would love to work with the band, but we can't work with that guy. You cut that guy loose, cut that guy loose and we can, we can talk. Unfortunately, we didn't get that message before we signed on. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know who city kid is, but they're Tesla now. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. And uh, he also he also when they got when they blew up, he sued them mm. for a lot of money because they had to cut him loose. And it was just so completely low. I have no regard for the, the gentleman. And he's no longer with us, so I don't you know, I don't want to totally speak totally ill of the dead, but you know. Yeah, a little, little slimy uh, during the living time. Yeah, and it caused us a lot of problems later, and it caused us problems with the label, and things got weird 
and we ended up leaving the label and took a few years. We, uh, we were being courted by Warner Brothers, but they, they were taking their time and time was of the essence. And after three years, the road racer deal just, you know, it's like, we've got to, we just got to kind of bite the bullet and we got to sign with these guys because we need to get a record done. And so we did. And we did a great record, you know, Victims. We did a tour with Sepultura. We came back. Metal was kind of going through the whole grunge thing. We just got out of the Gulf War. And um, and then basically, World Racer actually, you know, parted with us. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that relationship was kind of weird. So, it, you know, you're going to go do different things. And I'm not, you know. I'm not bagging on anybody but the person that shall be nameless. Um, record labels do what they do, and and you just have to sort of navigate through this whole jungle they call the record record industry. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just money to them, and they that's at the end of the day that that the speed speaks, and especially if you're going through such a hard time with a manager and a label, like when you're looking for something bigger like Warner Brothers, I'm, I'm sure that probably didn't look amazing. Well, we had actually cut ties with the guy. And he caused us more problems, which led to us leaving combat, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, you know, unfortunate, but we were young and, you know, we learned from that stuff and we did evolution with, with, uh, with, um, mascot records and they were great to us. Um, I don't think that they, uh, understand the metal as much as like nuclear blast. And so, once we did the record, we were able to to move on, and they they actually allowed us to move so that we could sign with the new record with Nuclear Blast, which was a blessing because they're amazing, and they've taken such great care of us. So well, there you go. Um, yeah. Kind of transitioning from that, how how is it uh, being being tied in with money and labels and all that stuff while creating music and art? Like how. Were you able to separate the two pretty well, or did you find yourself kind of trying to make the music fit a label? How, how, like, how'd you balance that? How do you balance that? Uh, I don't, I don't think we ever do that. I think we just try to make the best music that we can, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and like, you know, we've had, we've had space between records, years between records, and that's just life getting in the way, you know? Um, when we, Put out we put out recovered which is an ep in 2005 not long after that the exodus guys asked me to join exodus and it was like well what are you gonna do like you're gonna yeah. do both you know that, yeah yeah but well it's okay but i asked like can you do both you want to do both and he was like yeah and so we did we did a record it was hard to get in the studio because he was touring a lot and we finally forced yeah. it in, in 2009 and got it done um and then we did some touring and we did some touring with Exodus to make it work. Um, but then once we got the deal with Nuclear Blast, it was a you know highest time because you know now Gary's in Slayer and they recruited up my other guitar player in Exodus so they so that train could keep moving. And you know, now I have no guitar players to keep my my ship afloat or whatever, my train going. So it took a while. But yeah, we never think about you know what the label i mean we want to do the, the best record that we possibly can we, what we care about is if we're comfortable and we feel good about the music and we just hope that the fans will dig it you know that's that's our first you know sort of priority i guess yeah uh describe like kind of going into 
some of your favorite shows at the time or like starting starting out where where was like maybe the most well received in like kind of those early years uh, for heathen yeah well in the bay area shows i mean of course we yeah. always we always did well on the east bay and in san francisco because half the band was from the east bay and half the band was from san francisco um we had some great shows at ruthie's great shows at the stone i i think uh the stone shows were probably some of the best shows the omni was we had some good shows we did a, a great uh, co-headlining show with testament there and that was a huge show you know just tons of people um and like i said that just the whole the whole time i mean anybody that was playing it was just pretty much electric all the time you know and even with the upcoming bands and things once we started to venture out um you know and especially when the record came out we went to la we played three shows we played the country club we had a good show there but the second day we played jezebel's in anaheim which is a small i don't i don't think it's there anymore it's a small club but the place was just slammed packed in there and that's when hit set me free was all over the radio and all over you know mtv and it was so funny because we're this metal band and we're playing all this metal and and the crowds is it's, it was actually like about seventy mm, percent female, literally, and they're kind of digging what we're doing, but they're kind of they're just wait, wait, <laughs> set me free, and set me free came out, and, that, and we played that, and the places blew up, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it was like that in L.A. We did the Cal State Long Beach, had a good crowd, but then we got shut down after like three songs. It's like oh, you guys have to stop playing, it's too loud, and whatever. It's like well what yeah so that was kind of weird um but then we like i said then we did an american tour later on it was fun we did some good shows on that tour but when we went out with sepultura in 91 after victims we it was show after show night after night playing big crowds and it was just amazing every night yeah um kind of wanted to ask this you guys have a lot of melodic parts in your music that are really seem very orchestrated and um, a, a good contrast to everything that's going on. I was kind of wondering where that sort of came from, how, how the musical writing goes. Is just something that you all love or is this like something that's very intentional trying to create your own sound? Cause I, I think it's pretty, the way you guys do it, very unique to yourselves. Well, I, you know, I think it's indicative of, of the musicianship mm-hmm. and the, the influence that come into play with the band, you know, Lee, Lee coming from, you know, living in, in Ukraine, uh, his father was a piano player, went through the conservatory of music in Russia. His mother was an opera singer. So he's probably, you know, subconsciously, he was probably hearing lots of classical music, you know, as a, as a child. And it was just sort of ingrained. Um, Cragen, I think some similarities as far as um, just loving that kind of music, a lot of the Prague stuff, Rush and, things that were more technical and they're just technical musicians and, and their writing style. Um, and so it, it's just, it's really just completely organic. It just sort of kind of came out the way it came out. I, I think that got, we got more technical as we went along. I don't think the first record was as technical, you know, and I think that um, a lot of that stuff, you know, we were just, we were just, like a motor trying to just get songs written so that we could get out and, and join in the fun. You know what I mean? And it, Lee was like, at that time was such a grinder for rehearsals. 
you know, he would, if, if we could have practiced, if we practiced seven days a week, he'd be happy. But it was more like five and sometimes six if we had a show coming up, you know, now you can't, you know, and later on he was jaded. He never wanted to practice. <laughs> he just wanted to get all of it out of the way. Well, I, you know, his like, his thing was like, do you want a record deal or not? It's like, well, and you know, we had a record deal within the year. So he wasn't wrong, you know, and we were, we were, we were so freaking tight in those days. My God, you know, but it was definitely, I mean, we always, I came from, you know, a different situation as far as like the, the type of music that I liked because I, I grew up on, you know, like I said, the Beatles and Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, you know, Black Sabbath um, and like, yes. And, you know, and of course Rush. But so I liked a lot of the technical stuff, but I like stuff that's kind of flowing and beautiful and, um, and melodic vocally. And so they, they, I think their Lee's vision was more sort of Exodus with a technical tone, you know, like different things going on. And I, I brought sort of melodic vocal to the whole, you know, whole thing. And, um, you know, some people go, Oh, you need this. You need to have, you should have this and you should have, you know, a screamer in the band or whatever. But, you know, I think that's what I do sort of sets us apart from most of the bands that are out there and thank God for that, you know? Yeah. That's, and just can't be true to yourselves and with all your, your background with trumpet and um, all that back in high school, it, it makes sense that you kind of would branch out in something a, a little different, but at the end of the day, you guys love to like just, fucking thrash and that's uh that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well we like you know, it's the energy part of it is you know what i mean that's the fun but we also we want i mean i think that musically and you know even vocally or whatever lyrically we want to make it we want it to be interesting mm-hmm. you know when i write stuff i want i want to say something you know even if it's it doesn't have to be groundbreaking or whatever light completely life-changing but you know try to be you know thought provoking anything how do you think how do you think it's changed from kind of what what you want to say in an album from the start to now uh just you know maturity yeah you know and also maturity and just writing but also you know you know as well as i do the, the world has changed so much in such a rapid pace in the last 20 years my god mm-hmm. you know I mean, a lot of things that I wrote about on evolution sort of came to fruition in the last 10 years. And then Cragen wrote... How, how so? What, what? Oh, well, you know, Dying Season, Control by Chaos. Control by, by Chaos is one of the biggest ones, you know. You see how the media and the political spectrum and how they're just, everybody's stirring up the pot and nobody knows which fucking way's up or down. And we're fighting amongst each other. You know, it's just been such a shit show, you know, and it wasn't quite there. It was already, you know, it's always kind of been there, but it's been magnified to uh, this. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, and Cragen went like sort of a different direction, but sort of took it to the next level in what he wrote for the record, but, but didn't really go political so much as just, um, touching on things like social media and, and how, you know, so many people it's such a part of their life and they're controlled by it. And you know, their alpha rhythms and art and all that stuff. It's, it's just nuts. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, what is your relationship with social media? Because obviously in order to promote now, you need to use social media. How do you, how do you like kind of balance that? How, how do you look at it? What are your thoughts currently on it? Well, I mean, it's a necessary evil for sure. I think it's a great idea just as the internet was a great idea, but it could, all those things, just like, you know, they can be exploited, you know, and that's, you know, human nature. You're going to have people who are going to use it in a, in a beautiful way, in a, in a way of communication, staying in touch with their friends and family. Um, we use it. I use it mostly to stay in touch with the fans and, and keep them, informed of what we're doing and keep stay connected. And so I don't, you know, I don't pander or whatever to any of the political stuff that's on there. I try to like, you know, delete anything like that because everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I don't, I don't wish to share my opinion mm-hmm. with anybody. And I don't, you know what I mean? It's not, that's not where I want to be. It's my personal, my personal views are my personal views and I'm not sharing them with, social media and the world like that because it's just not for me it's just not the place to do that yeah you'd rather share it in your music in a more uh sure sure (laughs) Sure. but i also even in the music i'm not gonna uh you know take a political Mm -hmm. side political edge to it yeah it's more of um yeah i i know what you mean i i can't really put it to words of how you do talk about things it's more it's like kind of these one-liners that are really thought-provoking um, kind of strung together in like a kind of in a story is kind of what I see it as. Right. And that's, you know, and that's what we are basically as musicians, storytellers. Mm-hmm. You know? So like Empire of the Blind, who, who is, who are like the main songwriters now? How, how does your band dynamic work when you write? Is it all so music what, first then vocals? It's all been different over the years, but this record Empire, Cragen actually wrote the entire record. Everything. Like everything. Everything. I mean, we added a few things. There's a couple of things where when I was learning the material, a couple of things like, well, maybe we try this and let's take that out or, you know, but very slight, you know, and we had a few ideas, but um, because of the situation of us all living apart and the situation with Lee and, and Craig and touring with Exodus for those years that we were not together, we didn't really get enough material to really contribute to the record and nothing finished. And Cragen is like a workaholic. And so he was just driven and wrote a bunch of material. And as time just kept pressing on and, you know, we're like, okay, we got, we signed this record deal six years ago and luckily nuclear blast is being cool. And they understand the situation. They understand the scenario with, with Exodus and everything but we need to get on and do this before it's too late. And Cragen had enough material to where like, let's, let's pick the best songs out of what you got and let's make it happen. And it just happened to be wrote a masterpiece. So yeah, yeah. in my opinion, it's a great album. Um, so when, when Cragen sent stuff, does he, is he doing demos at his house and then sending them over? How, like oh, recording? Well, yeah. yeah. He, well, he, he had sent. I mean, we, I got material from him early on. And I was writing stuff, um, but I, I was, it was a slow process for me because I had, a, my mom was sick with cancer and then she passed away and it was the, dealing with the house and a lot of, you know, personal stuff was in the way. 
And so it, it slowed my roll down big time. And then he just, he just kept pressing forward and pressing forward. And then like I said, it was just like, let's just go. And he was just riding the whole time, you know, he's still, and still, even now he's got more material, but you know, we had the conversation like, look, you know, for the next record, it has to be, you know, a cumulative effort from everyone, whoever can and wants to contribute, you know? And so Jason, our new bass player, he's writing some lyrics too. I sent some stuff out. He's taken some of my lyrics and integrated them into something he's written so that they kind of are together. So, we, you know what I mean? So it's, it's all inclusive with the band and not just one person, you know, yeah, what trying I mean? to, trying to give it more of the feel of like being together of a band. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, and, and, you know, it's, it's too bad. Like with COVID that, you know, we weren't able to take advantage of that time as much as we could have to actually write more stuff. You know, um, I think, we were all sort of dealing with, oh God, we just put out a record and we're in a fucking pandemic. And now what do we do? And I, I, I had just moved to Florida. You know, the plan was to move here and I was going to go out on the road in April of 2020. And it was like, we came here and everything was canceled. Mm-hmm. So I walked in circles for a little while trying to get my head right. And luckily I live by the beach and that pretty much saved me. You know, taking long walks with my dog. My wife was still working from home. Um, and then I started just playing more music and just playing guitar and just trying to um, improve and just sort of dive into that and, you know, hone skills while I was home. Yeah, not not everybody really could do that. And understandably so, as it was, there was a, especially first like half of it, it was just a bombardment of bad news after bad news. Yeah, it was hard for. I mean, I was I was writing an album with the band as well, but it's yeah, it was like hard to kind of just work on yourself without just constantly trying to distract yourself in certain ways. Yeah, I mean, I I I tell you that you know, I I'm a swim instructor by day. That's that was my day job, and I've been teaching for thirty years. And and I we moved here, and I basically left my job. You know, I can still teach privately, and I can maybe find another job. But now I'm busy you know, with the band, I can't, I can't commit to anything at, at this point. Um, but when, when the government gave us this, you know, the unemployment stimulus and all that, it was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. You know? And it's like, made sure that you know, I could pay the bills, put some money away, you know, and be okay. You know, I wish that that could have lasted another <laughs> six months <laughs> would have been nice, but you know, but I do appreciate that. And I, and I, I feel bad for anybody that didn't qualify for it or whatever, or had to jump through major hoops. Luckily, you know, I've worked most of my life. It wasn't an issue, you know, but now, you know, that evaporated all my unemployment. So luckily now we're back to work with the band and, you know, things are okay, but it was a, it was a tough time. And because of that, because of that stimulus money, it did allow me to have the time to just, okay, I can, I can chill. I can take care of the house. My wife's on the computer every day. I'm like cooking for her, bringing her coffee, you know, but taking the dog for long walks and going to the beach. And, and sometimes she would look at me and go, you know, fuck you. You got to, you you got, you're having a nice life. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, what can I do? You know, yeah. The beach is right there and, and I need it for this. Yeah, it's like you don't want me inside right next to you all day, probably. No, hell no, no. <laughs> but uh, you know, she's 
she's been awesome and she's super supportive of what I do. And, you know, with her job, she always, she traveled a lot too. So she gets it when, you know, when I'm gone, she doesn't love it, but you know, we, we get each other. It's good. Yeah. That's, that's all you can really ask for. <laughs> so um, did you have to finish your record? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Long story, but yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I play in a bunch of different bands now. It's just the, the drummer thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm been starting a new band and it's been going really well. We're playing around the Bay area a lot, but typical rock and roll. It's fun. Yeah. What's your band? What's your band? This band is called King Tide. King Tide. Yeah. Definitely bringing back a lot of influences, trying to add some like electronic elements with like some like pads. And since that's like kind of the new thing, but it, it just started kind of balls of the wall, rock and roll, a little punk, a little grungy. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with that album is finished, and we start. We already started recording. Everything was written by the guitarist and singer first, but now, now we're like all working together. We had a bunch of shows under our belts, so just getting out there, you know, doing the thing. Right. I was supposed to go on tour with another band uh, in March 2020, and then that band since yeah, we we all liked each other. Then musical differences and all that shit. Uh, at the end, right at the end of the pandemic, we just I parted ways with them. So yeah, it's uh, emotions were very high in general. You know, it it was really cool to be able to write music during the pandemic with them, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what yeah. do you, you play guitar as well? I play. I just play drums. Oh, you, oh you play drums. So I thought you were when you referred to the drummer thing. I thought you meant you were having troubles. No, like, no, no, no. The drummer. Keeping a drummer, you know, in the fold. No, I was recording. I was recording a lot of drums for other bands during the pandemic, which is really cool. Some of my biggest, far-reaching things came out during the pandemic with uh, just remote recording, and people I've never met. Um, I don't think it would necessarily happen like that, but huge, yeah, like forty thousand, like monthly listeners on some stuff that just came out. People were just hungry for anything that people, anything that was somewhat positive or just uh new material that wasn't just depressing um, right that's funny yeah well um, i mean it's it's crazy because the empire of the blind you know it, it was supposed to come out in june uh-huh. june 19th and we were supposed to that was going to be the second leg of the european tour and we were going to play this huge festival called grass pop in belgium and um of course all that got canceled and then they pushed the record to september Mm. And we're like, what the hell? Like, what's going to happen? You know? And, but dude, we recouped that record in the first year. And we've never done that. The record did extremely well. And the fans really, really, because they needed music, man, they were eating it up. And it, you know what? It's a great record. It sounds amazing. Zeus. That's a Zeus, man. It it really, the guy, really sounds good. The guy that that produced it and, and recorded it and all that and mixed it all of it. The guys he he works with Hate Reed. He works with Queensrÿche. He's um, Rob Zombie's like right hand man. Got and, it. But he does like movie stuff with Rob. It sounds really cinematic. I was listening to it on my my studio speakers before we started the interview, and it's there's like this crazy panning and these like weird background swirls in these parts, and I'm like that. <laughs> I was like extra blown away. I was like, wow, this is like a cinematic like masterpiece. It sounds really good. He's the first one we've ever trusted to just do it. 
Not, yeah. You know, we weren't there. We weren't present in the mix. And he sent it. He was like, what do you think? And I think there was a couple of things we went, well, how about this? And then that, and then, but all in all, every time I listen to it, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, as a fan, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, you know, and, and even working with the guy, you know, and, and, and I would say Cragen had a lot to do with it too, because, you know, he created the roadmap, you know, cause he demoed everything at home, you know, use a drum machine and, you know, and then sent that out to Jim to learn what, you know, and, and some of the drum stuff that he did with the drum machine was like completely inhuman, you know, it's like, no one's doing that. So of course they had to like, you know, the drumming is insane on it though. Oh yeah, I know. But I mean, <laughs> he, he did really good. It's a lot of it does already sound inhuman. So yeah. Yeah. But Cragen, what saved us a little dose is, you know, Cragen tracked all his, his guitars at home. Oh. So, so when we went in the studio, um, that we did, well, Jim went there and, and did drum tracks. And, um, and then I came with Jason the last week of October and for a week. And I, I just got over having the flu, which sucked and I, and it attacked my vocal cords. So I was just getting my voice back. I couldn't even talk it just, you know, like prior to leaving to Massachusetts. Hey, my dog. Um, uh, but we went together and, and worked that first week. And then, um, Lee and I came back the last week of November and I finished all the vocals and all the, all the, um, harmony vocals, overdubs, all that kind of stuff. And Lee did all his solos and then we left and then Zeus went to work. Yeah, he did. You know? And yeah, I mean, it's the best sounding record that we have to date for sure. Yeah. And it's still, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a quote unquote overproduced either. Still has this. No. Yeah. No. I, yeah. We actually, we, we got him to, to remaster the evolution of chaos. Cause we had a, we talked mascot into doing a 10th anniversary, you know, re-release. And we asked them if we could remix it. And they were like, no, they like, they like the mix that was done and it's a good mix, but, if Zeus could have got his hands on it, holy shit! Yeah, yeah, you know? uh, well, still sounds still sounds great. So, I want there's something that you described in another interview as uh, sour harmonies that you had on Empire. So, what right. can you describe that? I think that's a beautiful term for what it is. Um, well, it, it sort of had that feel anyway, mm-hmm. and I always liked um, the I would call them sour, you know, sour harmonies that. Um, that Alice Chain did. They, some of that stuff, it's just like so, like oh, and it's so against the grain, but in such a amazing, beautiful way. You know, it doesn't always have to sound. You know, just a lot of times harmonies just sound really sweet, and oh, that that harmony's tucked under there, and it's oh, it's beautiful. It's like I want something that goes kind of against the grain. And yeah. so there, you know, so that's what we were looking for, and that's those are the types of things that that I'll bring to the table too. You know what I mean? When we're in the process. You yeah. Know? So that's, yeah, uh, I mean, the first thing I can think of for like that for Allison Chains is like that, that song, I Stay Away. There's like that refrain where both of them are singing together and it's just yeah. it's so weird, but it almost has, it still has that almost pop vibe to it. It's like accessible, really weird. Yeah. But uh, I like weird. I like weird. Yeah. You know, if you know, if you know the Evolution of Chaos record, uh, the, the song Fade Away, um, 
it's my it's one of my favorites off the record and and when i was lee was actually usually we work closer together when we're working out melodies and things like that but he was touring a lot and so my our bass player at the time john Torres, we had a we had a pro tool set up in our studio and i'm not super technical when it comes to that kind of stuff but you know if i do it enough i, I get it you know yeah. and so he set me up with some tracks the studio so i could go in there and just start demoing my ideas over the music you know and uh it, it was awesome i mean i was just like oh this is great because i never had really done it that way before and i was just by myself and it was just the tranquility of being in there and just disappearing from the world and creating like that you know and i could play stuff and go oh that's fucking awful <laughs> you know that's gone <laughs> you know and then and then tapping into something that oh shit and when i came up with the middle part of Veda Way, which is kind of psychedelic, you know, came with this idea and laid it down and stuff. And then when we actually got in the studio, Lee was like, okay, so what do you got? You know, and I'm like, well, I have this for this and I have this for that. And then, you know, and he would kind of go, yeah, I like that. Maybe we could do this with that, you know. But when I came up with that, I showed him that part in the middle of Fade Away. He was like, oh, oh, and then you could do it, but you have to come and you have to make sure you hit that note at the end of it. And I'm like, well, that's a motherfucker, but okay. You know, but it just, that was one yeah. of those things that just kind of grew. And it's, to me, it's very, it's a very, um, I don't know, sort of seventies psychedelic rock within that context of thrash metal, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely give it another few listens. That, that sounds really cool. I love when somebody's inspired enough in a band and likes one particular thing, and then it just trails everybody and they kind of get on the same wavelength. And that's, I mean, that's that's when the best songs are written. Everybody just gets super hyped on something that another musician did in the band. Right. Yeah. Then that's and and really, I mean, I love that you say that because you're a musician, you know. Uh, yeah. But it, it that's why it's it's so important to you know as a band to write together as much as you can, yeah. even if you're balancing ideas, you know, and you can't always be in the same room. Um, so you're feeding off each other, and then you know, then you really, you really feel a part of the record. Everybody has that feeling. And with empire, I have to say it, it, it took me a while um, to, for it to be more personal for me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. evolution was so per, you know personal because I wrote nine songs off that record. Yeah. And, and it's such a part of me and it's, and it's the best stuff that I've ever written lyrically. And and the melodies and stuff and and so with with evolution it's like it's 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 like almost like in the beginning of it it was kind of like uh, learning covers, yeah. you know, but <laughs> covers that I'd never heard before, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's all this material and it's like, and I would I was, I was Craig I'm like, what do you mean by that? What are you saying there? And he's you know he's a brilliant guy. He's like, well you know this and I'm like, well you know you're very metaphoric but like all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think I used to write more like that in the in my earlier days, to where I think with evolution it was more um, I wrote what I knew and I tried to be more plain, so that the listeners can get it. You know what I mean? And and not be what's that? Instantly latch on uh, uh, straight to the right more. Yeah, and and you know, and so you know, like I said, it's when you. But as, if you write as a band and everybody's like, oh, that's, oh, that's killer. Let's try that. What if you did this? You know, and that's like talking, like, especially talking straight to the drummer. Like, what if, 
try that, you know, or you go check out the speed that I came up with for that part. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, everybody gets freaking high off that. That's the magic of writing. I love that. We didn't have that with evolution, um, which is, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it was just a different scenario. Every scenario is different. Can't right. Yeah. And it's always been, and I have, have a good friend that writes for snake pit magazine in France. And when the, we put out the record, he was like, this is not even, this is great record, but it's not, uh, he then I'm like, are you kidding me? So yeah, dude, it is. I'm like, it's just he then 2020, mm-hmm. and yes, we we tuned down to D for the first time, and and I think it makes it heavier. And I think my voice, you know, I've done I did a couple other projects where I sang in the low, you know, different keys like that. And D is a really nice key for me. Just mm-hmm. it's just my I think my voice sounds good in that key. And um, he was like, well, I just I'm like, well, you know, what can I tell you? every record that we've done is they've all been different. They've all been different and it's probably going to always be that way. And we just, we can't control it. It just sort of happens organically. Speaking of which, what, uh, what is next for the next record? Or is that, that that's uh, works. You're talking about it. We have, well, there's already, I mean, Cragen has already a bunch of music. Yeah. You know, I think for the most part, it's going to be musically, it's going to be very, Craig and driven. And we do have some stuff that Lee had worked on that we're going to try to finish. And, and, and if he wants to be involved more, we'll see, you know, he's actually out on the road with Exodus now and we'll see what happens when he comes back. And if, you know, if he wants to contribute, awesome. If, uh, if Kyle wants to contribute and, you know, and be a part of the next record too. Awesome. The guy, we took Kyle Odisi out on this, this tour. He's still with us for this world tour and he's amazing. And he writes for his own band, Invicta, um, and he's the singer for that band. It's more of a death metal vocal, the growls and stuff, but the music is like progressive thrash, and they're quite good. And um, but if he wants to to contribute to a new Heathen record, um, he understands the material very well. He's you know he's a fan. He grew up on it, um, so we'll see. But we are already like, you know, things are kind of in the works now. We just have to finish what we're doing. Yeah, you're touring. So, yeah. And then we'll take a break. I'm going to, I'm taking my wife on vacation when I get back in November. She deserves it. She sure does. And, and then the holidays will come. But we'll, you know, we're already, all of us are, I'm taking a guitar on on this tour. I didn't take it to Europe, but I'm going to take one. Oh, cool. So that we can work on stuff. And And I've already got a bunch of stuff written. So, but the, the music already, I've heard a lot of the stuff and a lot of the riffs and, and, uh, we just got to get, get it, yeah. get it going and we will. And, and we're, we're definitely going to work with Zeus again. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a given now. Um, right. I ask every, everybody who I interview artists, chefs, you know, doesn't matter. Um, what, what is your idea of success for yourself just in general for the world? What, what is, what makes it for you? Um, I think just happiness, you know, to be, you know, to be happy in your own skin, you know, comfortable in your own skin. Um, you know, success was like, you know, as far as your career and things like that, it's just as long as, you know, you can put food on the table and keep a roof over your head. And you know what I mean? Yep. That's it's, it. And, and, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to, you know, 
driving a nicer car that I have, but I have a nice car. It's okay. You know, I don't, money is like, that's not the issue. Just to be able to do what we do and, and enjoy life, you know, mm-hmm. go on vacation from time to time, but being able to like travel and play music and then come home and then maybe travel with my wife and have a nice thing or whatever, have a couple of animals and whatever. I don't know. You know, but yeah. just be happy, I guess, you know, Simple. I don't think mon- money doesn't really buy happiness. You know? No. Um, all right. Well, Dave, this has been super fun. You're on, you're going back on tour now. Uh, you're going to be playing, uh, the 14th of September. So a few days from now at the catalyst. Yeah. Super, super stoked for that. And, uh, you want to talk to some of the other tour dates, kind of what's going on with you guys. Any last thoughts you have? Well, we start, I fly to LA on Monday and mm-hmm. we start off actually in Fresno, Fresno and then Santa Cruz and then Sacramento and then Portland and Seattle and and come around. I don't have the, all the dates in front of me at the moment. I had them. But, somewhere, we, but. <laughs> but we finish in LA and at the whiskey and, um, we're going out with, with Warbringer, um, and, uh, looking forward to it. It's a new, it's going to be a new adventure, but, um, you know, definitely wanted to hit the States. We, you know, we get, when we're posting stuff for our European tour, as we were going, we had so many kids like, you know, they're like, well, when are you guys coming to Baltimore? When are you coming to, and it's like, you know, we, we're going to get there. And it's, for me, it's really, I think it's really important to uh, play in your backyard, play in your own own country and, and, and have a presence here. And I think that he then needs to make a more conservative effort to do that and to play more in the, in the United States. Um, there's a lot of fans out there and we just need to get them to come out and support the, the bands when they play in the clubs and, and understand that, because, you know, you go to see, like, uh, like Motley Crue just played in the Bay Area, right? Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, right? Yep. Just place is packed. Place, place is packed. These guys have been doing it forever, these bands. And then there's thousands and thousands of metal fans that are going to see these shows, rock fans. And a lot of times the clubs don't, they don't see that kind of generation of people. They don't, you know what I mean? And I don't think there's a lot, I don't think there's a, a large contingent of people that understand how amazing it is to see a great band in a club, you know, to where it's not 60,000 people and you can, you're having to watch the band from a video screen, mm-hmm. you know, but to have that intimate experience, you know, we played some, some really great shows on the European tour. One of them most notably like in Innsbruck in Austria, it was this little club and we were supposed to be a festival show with Testament and Exodus and that got canceled. And, but we were able to book a show on our own and we had a day off in Innsbruck and it's like one of the most beautiful places in the world. It was just a, it was just such a pleasure to be there. And then we get to play a show tomorrow and you know, it's a small place. I think we packed 80 or 90 people in there, you know, and it was just incredible, you know, and then you get to hang out with everybody after the show, yeah, you know, right there. you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, if you can't like understand how, like I would love to see, like I saw Motley Crue at the, at the Keystone Berkeley when I was like, I think I was 19 or 20 or something like that. 21, you know, they played a club when they first came out, you know, and Oh my God, they were, they were fucking amazing. That first record, they were fucking on fire and they were tight. They were tight. And saw them this little club, you know, and after that it was stadiums. Yeah. And I'm, ha- I'm happy for them, you know, cause that's, the the money's there but to be able to see them in a club where it's like yeah man they're right they're right there you know 
You're 20 feet away. Yeah. Yeah. Space. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but anyway, hopefully, like I said, hopefully that sediment will will resonate when we go out with Warbringer and and uh, and we'll have a lot of fun and we'll meet some you know some people and and have a rager on the West Coast. Sounds great. Yeah. Little end of summer end of summer gigs. Uh, yeah. I'm interviewing John from Warbringer tonight, so that should be really fun. Um, well, hey, thank you so much. This has been Breaking North. We interview artists and musicians and creators of all kinds. Yeah, and Dave, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome, and you know, good luck with everything with you. You know what you're doing. I appreciate you that. Know, it's uh, it's hard work, but you know what? You know, if you love doing it. You just keep doing it. That's that's fun. I can't I can't keep away from it. So. Hey, what's up? Zen here again. Thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to let you know again that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking north. That is patreon.com slash breaking north. Please also like, subscribe, review, do all the good stuff for our social media, communicate with us. And if you want to be on the show, hit me up. I want to check out your art. I want to check out your cooking. I want to check out what you do. Let's talk. Cool. Thanks. Mwah.